want to do this. I want to welcome all of our inmates that are watching this on Pando right now that are part of our church family. We honor you. We thank God for you. Today's going to be a good day. I got a feeling that we're going to have an incredible time in the presence of the Lord, an amazing time at our Fall Fest, and that the Cowboys will defeat every giant from New York. That's my faith declaration. I don't even need you to agree. I just know it's going to come to pass. I'm so glad that you're here. We have been in a series for the last four weeks, and I want to continue that series today. And we simply entitled this series, God Loves Blank. God Loves Blank. How many of you have been here for every single Sunday of this series? Come on, come on. You get extra credit. And I've been saying that this is really more than a series. I believe that this is something that God is trying to inculcate within our culture, this idea, this reality, that you cannot call yourself a believer and not be growing in your love. That at the core of the gospel, at the core of Christianity is love. This is a gospel of love, that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been saying, we're going to spend the rest of our lives filling in the blanks of God's love. And so if you've been on the journey with us, we started the series by saying God loves sinners. God loves sinners. And we had that service outside, baptized over 300 people as we declared that there's really only two types of people in the world, lost and found. And that we serve a God that came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to seek and save that which is lost. And he will leave the 99 to find the one. Second part of the series, we had Watch Party Sunday. And we said, God loves the LGBTQ community. And we heard the powerful testimony of two men who said, I came out of that lifestyle and now I identify with the cross of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Week three, we said, God loves addicts. And I remember I told you that addicts are really just worshipers that have their attention in the wrong direction. And it's easy to castigate people who are addicted to heroin, but forget that you're addicted to social media every time you scroll. We said God loves addicts. And then last week, we declared God loves prisoners. And just because you are not incarcerated doesn't mean that you are not bound. As a matter of fact, there are some people who are incarcerated and they are more free than many of us out here because what good is it to be free in your body but not be free in your mind? And we serve a God who can identify with the prisoner because he hung on a cross as a criminal and died so that we could live. But today, look at your neighbor say today. No, look at him say today. Oh, we're going to fill in another blank. We're going to fill in another blank today. And I love the blank that we're going to fill in today because today's blank relates to everybody. If you missed the last four weeks, five weeks, and you're like, ah, none of those blanks related to me, hear me today, you cannot escape the word that we're going to put in today's blank because this one relates to every single person listening to this message in this room or online. This is not a message you can walk away and go, uh, goodbye, doesn't apply. No, 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 no. This blank that we're filling in affects you. It shaped you. It formed you without any shadow of a doubt, without exaggeration or hyperbole. The word in this blank has probably had more impact on who you are and who you are not. The word in this blank has made an indelible impact on your mind, on your heart, on your emotions. The word in this blank, hear me, affects you financially, emotionally, socially, spiritually, even physically. So much so that if you go to the doctor and you talk to them about an issue that's wrong with you, they're going to ask if this issue occurred in the word that we're going to put in this blank. As a matter of fact, the way you see the word in this blank is affected by the word in the blank. And those of you who are following me, ooh, you already know the blues clues I'm giving you about this word. But I'm not going to reveal the word in the blank. I think I should let our social kids reveal the word in the blank. Watch this. Why is family important? It's important and 
they always are by your side. What's your favorite thing about your family? Um, my dad is funny. They let me do stuff that, that I really want to do. They love me. They give me money for awesome. My favorite thing of my mom is that she prays for us in our beds. Why does God love me? He wants a memory of his creation. Because he made us all equally and he loves anybody even though they're good or bad. God loves family. God loves family. God loves family. God loves family. Come on, give it up for those social kids. <laughs> God loves family. I got to be honest, my favorite part in that video was that handsome young man who said his dad is funny. I don't know who his daddy is, but I concur. God loves family. Now, before you get ready to leave service, because I know how you feel, Ooh, you're like, hold up, PR. I don't know if God loves family. Have you met my family? Meet these lunatics first and then tell me if God loves them. I, I want to let you know today, it is so true. God loves family. And here's really the challenge that I have today, especially speaking to a group like this, that in this room, there are a myriad and a multiplicity of different family situations and different family constructs. I mean, look around this room today. Look around. It's a whole lot of different families. Even when I say the word family, many of you think of different things. There's all kinds of families in this room and watching online. We have some nuclear families in here. We have some families in here that the only thing that is nuclear is the warfare that occurs every Thanksgiving and every Christmas. We got some single moms in here today. We got some single dads in here today. We got co-parenting families. We got blended families in here. We got grandparent families in here. We have extended families in here. We have all kinds of different families in this room. I am well aware of that today. I'm also aware of the fact that when I say words like father, mother, brother, sister, Cousin, aunt, uncle, those are not emotionally neutral words. As a matter of fact, depending on your experience, depending on the abandonment, depending on the rejection or the acceptance, when I say one of those words, immediately it is charged with a certain emotion for you today. So I'm well aware of the fact that I have all different types of families and all different types of emotions. So I struggled with this message today because I was trying to see where is there some common ground? Where do we all relate? And I can really only think of two things that we all have in common when it comes to family. First thing that we all have in common when it comes to family is this right here. We didn't get to pick our family. We didn't get to pick our family. And somebody should say amen just right there. Because if you're being honest, if you could have picked, you sure would not have picked what you got. Now the single person in this state fair coliseum got to actually pick your family. It's not like before your existence, God called you up to the boardroom of heaven and said, all right, I'm about to send you down there. I'm about to give you some options and gave you a PowerPoint presentation and said, okay, here's option number one. Here's, here's your first option. Okay, mm, all right, you've got a family here. Uh, upper middle class, mm-hmm. Dad, doctor, mm, mom, lawyer, mm-hmm. Living a brownstone in Brooklyn Heights, New York. Wow, you'll be one of five kids. Last night, mm, Huxtable. Okay, that's option number one. Let me give you option number two. Let's see what option number two. Ooh, op, ooh, op, ooh, option number two, mom, three times divorced, uh, raging alcoholic, and dad, oh, married to somebody else, and one night stand. Okay, which, which one? Which one you gonna pick? Nobody got that option. None of us got a selection. You just woke up one day and whatever you saw, that's what you got. This is why I am thoroughly convinced babies don't come into the world smiling. They come into the world screaming at the top of their lungs. And if you want to interpret the scream, it's because we didn't get to pick. You just woke up and had to deal with what you got. Just woke up and said, I guess this is what it is. 
And I guess this is what it's going to be. And since we're on topic, can I just encourage you and kick back the enemy that's been in your mind? Can I tell you, you're actually doing better than you think you are. Come on, for what you were born into, you're doing a whole lot better than you give yourself credit for. It's some people that aren't even here and wouldn't even be standing if they were born into what you were born into. So stop letting the enemy beat you up. You are right where you're supposed to be. And thank God that you're still here. And thank God that you're still standing standard in spite of what you were born into none of us get to pick what we were born into as a matter of fact the most free you might have ever been is when you were in the womb but until you came out and now all of a sudden you are indelible and impacted by the people all around you second thing that we all have in common we don't all get to pick our family, but we also, huh, we all come from a dysfunctional family. Yeah, you. You come from a dysfunctional family. Well, I don't know, uh, Pastor Robert, I would, I, would, I, would, I would disagree because I grew up in, a, in an amazing home. My mom and my father were there, and we had a white picket fence outside, and we went to church every single Sunday. We went to Sunday school, and uh, we prayed every night. I don't care. You still come from a dysfunctional family family away with this notion that there aren't any dysfunctional families no your dysfunction is just different than somebody else's dysfunction <laughs> all of us come from some type of dysfunctional family this is what we have in common i know somebody who his father was in his life only for a season and when he was he beat him and his mother just about every single week not only was it physical abuse there was verbal abuse he couldn't wait to get away from his dad. When he finally got away from his dad, who used to physically and verbally abuse him, he actually ended up becoming a UFC fighter, fighting strong. And what he would do in his fights, which made him successful, was he would picture his father's face on every single person he got ready to fight. And his dad would tell him, you're never gonna be anything. And he would win fights and look in the camera as if his dad might have been watching saying, you see, Dad, I am somebody. And his dysfunction was a father that abused him. But then I know somebody else whose dad was there, but he wasn't there. And gave him absolutely everything. This dude never lacked for anything, was driving a Beamer at 15. God got everything he wanted as a kid, and yet his dysfunction looks different because now he's struggling with an addiction and is in and out of some of the best rehab facilities in the nation because his dad gave him everything financially but never showed him how to be a man. Which dysfunction would you pick? I'm trying to tell you there are no perfect families. And if you think I'm just talking about parenting style, I'm not. Understand the reason that every single person comes from a dysfunctional family is because we all come from our original parents, Adam and Eve. Oh yes, we are all a part of the Adams family. That's why the person sitting next to you is creepy and they're spooky and they're all together kooky because they did not come in here without a sin nature. This is what happened to us in the Garden of Eden. We all got dysfunction. Adam and Eve's disobedience brought about our dysfunction. We all come from a dysfunctional family. But rather than hone in on the genesis of our original sin, I would rather today take a look at God's original intention. Because before there was original sin, hear me, there was original blessing. There was something that God blessed in the Garden of Eden before there was sin in the Garden of Eden. And I want you to understand today that the concept of family has never been the idea of man. It originated in the very mind of God. Why does God love family? Because family is God's idea. It has always been his idea. And I don't know about you, but I love the ideas that I come up with. And God is the one who originated the idea of family. Hear me today. This is why there's a war in our nation to redefine the family, to redefine marriage, to redefine gender. The attack is not by accident. It's pointed. It's targeted toward the very thing that God instituted in the Garden of Eden. God loves family because family was God's idea. Ooh, 
You don't have to take my word for it. Take a look. It's in the book. Uh, let's look at Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 1. This is where we see the first family. Genesis chapter 1. You got that? Genesis, beautiful, right there. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Hallelujah. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The genesis of humanity is the genesis of family. Before God established a church, before he established apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, or elders, he established a family. And look at what he said in Genesis 1. He said, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make them in our image. Let us make them in our image. Let us make in image. You're going to get it in a minute. Let make in image. One more time because the dude in the back didn't want to say it. Let make in image. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Let make in image. That was my part, but go ahead. Let us make them in our image. Question, who is us? Who is us? God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. God is a family. God in and of himself is a community so much so that he said, let us make them in our image. In other words, if the image of us is going to be reflected in the earth, there has to be a family. There has to be a unit. Let us make them, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. Let us make them in our image. Oh, now I get it. There was three in one, a trinity, a family. So when God created Adam, I see why it's not good for Adam to be alone because he's not yet reflecting the image by himself. He can't reflect the image. It is three, the family of the trinity. So Adam, since you by yourself, yes, you got a house. Yes, you're naming the animals. You got a job. Hello. But you need something else to reflect the image. And because I want my image in the earth and it's us three, it can't be you by yourself, Adam. Woo! Now I'm going to put you to sleep. Do the thing that you couldn't do. Take your rib and create you a woman. She's different than you. She isn't you, but she's different than you. And she's taken from your side, your side. She's taken from your side. Not, not, not above you. She's not supposed to be above you. Not a bone beneath you. She's not supposed to be beneath you either. She's actually supposed to be beside you. Beside you. Equal in nature, but two different parts. And wait a minute, Adam. Hold on. The fact that I have two, but I'm trying to get the three, you two can procreate and actually put my image in the earth. And that's what I wanted from the beginning. Let us make them. So now that you two are in the earth, you carry the potential to have my image in the earth. And how many of you know that's when the enemy showed up? Woo! Satan did not show up until Eve showed up. Because Satan went, hold up. He's trying to get them in the earth. He's trying to get that image in the earth. It was cool when it was one. But as soon as she showed up, they now have the potential to get that image in the earth. So let me slither up to her and holler at her a little bit. Be careful for who slithers up to you, ladies. There's still a lot of people slithering today. That wasn't in my notes, but I felt led. <laughs> Satan, Satan didn't show up 
until the image was about to be in the earth. I'm wondering, are you smart enough now in your life to know when the enemy shows up and why he is showing up in your life? Have you noticed he doesn't pick random moments in your life? Have you noticed right when you say, this is the year I'm going to church, here comes the enemy. Right when you, you couldn't get a job before and now you got a job, oh no, we need you Sunday. Right when you said you coming to church, right when you say, I'm going to trust the Lord in my giving, all of a sudden your paycheck gets lower. Have you noticed the attack? of the enemy you ought to just look at the attack of the enemy as a sign that God's about to do something in my life he wouldn't be attacking me the way he's attacking me if there wasn't an assignment for the image to be in the earth oh I know I'm, I, I know God about to do something in social Dallas the warfare can I just tell my testimony right now I'm telling we about to see a crazy revival in social because the internal warfare we've been facing right now can I just tell on me I know God something in the city of Dallas because there's been so much attack you got to know why he's slithering when he's slithering he said oh snap they about to get the image of the family in the earth so let me go up here and break this up and he's been doing the same thing ever since that's why you went through so much warfare as a kid that's why he tried to destroy your family he knows what was on the edge he knew what was about to happen. And as soon as Adam and Eve take of that forbidden fruit, the disintegration of the family began. They start hiding. Shame makes an appearance and hadn't left since. The blame game starts. Remember? First man that doesn't want to take ownership. Adam, what did you do? Uh, the woman you gave me. Did I ask for her? I didn't ask for her. In fact, I remember you put me to sleep. Won't take ownership. Won't say I did it too. The, the, the blame game begins and here comes the disintegration of the family. But it was a targeted attack. They have kids. The first capital murder is from their kids. I struggled this week. I, I struggled writing this message because I was looking at the Old Testament trying to find like a biblical family <laughs> to like give you a model for. I'm telling you, I read a whole lot of Old Testament. I couldn't find one family that I could use as an example because from day one, it gets messed up. I told you, Adam and Eve's kids became murderers. One of them became a murderer. It just goes downhill from the, I looked at Father Abraham. I was going to say Father Abraham. He's the one that had many sons. Many sons had them. And why I'm one of them, so are you. But Father Abraham had a whole situation waiting on the promise of God. You remember what happened? Slept with Hagar and all of a sudden had all that baby mama drama going on. I, I couldn't find one example. Noah got drunk and had incest in his family. I couldn't find one. I looked at Lot. Lot had issues in his family. Incest there. I looked at every single family I could conceivably find. I saw Jacob and Esau. These boys fighting. These two brothers fighting in the womb before they ever got out. I looked at Rachel and Leah. Two sisters jealous of each other. Imagine that. Talking about each other. Having issues in the family. I could not find a single family that had one example. I looked at Moses and his sister had something to say about who he was about to marry. I said, I don't know if she the one I don't like her I'm just as nothing has ever changed I couldn't find one family of biblical perfection all of them jacked up I looked at King David you know the one played the harp wrote all them songs but couldn't raise his sons <laughs> write a song real good fathering horrible <laughs> terrible father the first civil war between him and his son, I looked all over the Bible and maybe God is trying to tell us something that there is no perfect family. And all of us have some level of dysfunction. And even when you read all through the Old Testament, I looked at the very last verse of the Old Testament and it seems like God is still trying to get families' attentions. Look at the last verse of your Old Testament. It's about a family. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter 4, verse number 6. It says, He, our God, will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. That is a prophetic promise of what God will do in our generation. But do you see within the prophetic promise there is a problem? If God has to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the parents and turn the hearts of the parents to the children is speaking to a divided family. 
No wonder our nation is where it is. If you want to know where a nation is, look at the families of that nation. But God says, I've got to turn the hearts of who? The parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. Ah, question. Who turns first? Who turns first? Parents! Parents, we have to turn first. We're waiting on them to turn. I wish you would get it together. I wish you would get it together. Because the prophetic promise says we have to turn first. Imagine, imagine what would happen in the next generation if you actually healed your trauma. If, if you were to, the turn starts with the, the parents. Let me tell on me because you don't want to tell on you. I, I've noticed with my three little humans, sometimes when they're turning up and going crazy and, and they're just, you know, just having a little moment, they're young, and, and I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? Chill out. That's one thing I do. I usually pray first, but sometimes I, I have a parental moment. But sometimes I notice that them acting a certain way has everything to do with them trying to get my attention. And I am amazed that when I turn from a screen and put it down and actually engage with them, it's amazing how there's a behavior change. Perhaps the greatest assault for our generation of parents is that we're turning to the wrong thing. You're too busy trying to curate your page. You're too busy trying to capture the moment with your kid. You're not even spending time. <laughs> now go on the swing again. No, I got to do it in the real. Can you swing higher? God help us, millennial parents. God's going, can, can you turn? Can, can you not only give your attention, but set some intention for your children? This is who you are. This is what you're going to be. No, you can't be on TikTok at eight years old. Give me your phone. Can you, can you turn? Oh, I got to be careful because God talks to me when I talk to y'all. Because I see a lot of single people going, get them. That's right. Not knowing that you are practicing your parenting right now as a single person. This is the lie. This is the myth. You think when you have the kids and when you get the spouse, you're going to turn. The turn has to start before you ever have the spouse. The turn has to start before you ever have the kids. You're not going to have a child and then become a man of God and start praying and reading the Bible. If you ain't doing it now, you think you're going to do it when you have a son? If you can't be faithful while you dating, you think you're going to turn a switch and be faithful when you get married? The turn starts before you have the family. God said in the last days, I've got to turn the hearts of the parents towards the children. That's why I love services like this where we can all come together. Don't ever trip when we have these services together as your baby is crying. I mean, it's cool. I need them to see you in church, Dad. I need them to see you lift up your hands. I need them to see you, Mom, bow before God in worship. And not just in here, but at home too. Because the power of the revival will happen when there is a turn. So the last thing in the Old Testament is about a family. He wants to turn the hearts of the parents to the children, the hearts of the children back to the parents. And if we're going to do that, we've got to get rid of this image of this perfect family and start dealing with the reality of who we are. Because it's easy to post the image. It's easy to post the image. It's easy to have a portrait that looks like it's perfect. Oh, I know. We, we just took family pictures. I think we got that picture. I got that picture we just took of our family. Ooh, look at that. Oh, doesn't it look so perfect? If you knew the warfare behind that picture, if you knew how much Photoshop was in this picture, just to get it together. But that ain't even my favorite one. This is one of my favorite ones we took last year. The family. Can you see it? You see it? You, see, you can't see it in the picture. But that was in a beautiful open field. And I didn't know that, you know, there's animals in that open field that we took a picture. You can't see it in the picture. But I stepped in a deposit 
<laughs> in that picture the whole time. It looks so perfect, don't it? But if you could, if that picture was scratch and sniff, <laughs> you wouldn't be impressed <laughs> with the portrait. But it's easy to do the portrait, isn't it? It's easy to look like a great dad on Instagram. It's easy to look like a great mom on your highlight reel for your Walmart ad because you're an influencer. But the work behind the portrait, there's this old school song uh, by this spiritual artist. I think her name is Pink. And remember her? And, and she, she had this song and the lyrics. I'll never forget it the from the first time I heard it. She said, in our family portrait, we look pretty happy. We look pretty happy. Let's pr play pretend. Act like it comes natural. Let's go back to that. In that song, she begins through music to explain the huge dichotomy between the family picture they took and the warfare that was happening in the home. We got to stop looking for the perfect image and say, God, help us do the work so there's a revival in families because you love families so much. Can I take the pressure off you having the image of a perfect family? Let me take the pressure off. Last verse of the Old Testament is about God turning the hearts of the parents to the hearts of the children and the hearts of the children back to the parents. Then we have, oh, let's talk about this, 400 years of silence before the New Testament. How many years? 400 years of silence before God says anything. I get God's silence. He can take 400 years because he speaks that good. But while we're on topic, I think if there's ever going to be healing in families, we got to stop the silence. We got to stop being quiet about the things that have happened in the family that nobody will talk about. 400 years of silence from God. But some of you in your family's got 40 years of silence, 20 years of silence, and nobody will talk about the thing that needs to be talked about in your family. What if the greatest Christmas gift that could come to your family is if you would let down your pride this year and maybe God has given you the authority and the grace to call people to the table and say, let's talk about the thing nobody wants to talk about. Silence of families is what's destroying families because nobody will talk about it. We gotta talk about the things we don't wanna talk about. We gotta pull some family secrets and some family pain out of the closet and discuss it. Because hear me, sexual trauma is made worse in a family when you don't talk about it. Domestic violence is perpetuated when we don't talk about it. Patterns of addiction are passed on when we don't talk about it. And maybe the healing in your family could start with a conversation. Say, let's, let's talk about it and stop the silence. So we have 400 years of silence from God. And whenever the silence occurs, everybody's waiting for what's next. And what does God do? He starts talking about family. Let's look at it real quick and I'm going to be done. Matthew chapter 1. This is the part you skip every single year in your Bible reading plan. You know you do. 400 years of silence. God ends the Old Testament talking about parents and children coming back together and starts the New Testament with what? The family tree of Jesus Christ. David's son, Abraham's son, and then goes down this list. Let's read it because you never read it at home. You know you skip it. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had Judah and his brothers, Judah had Perez and Zerah, the mother was Tamar, Perez had Hezron, Hezron had Aram, Aram had Aminadab, Aminadab had Nahashon, Nahashon had Salmon, Salmon had Boaz, his mother was Rahab, Boaz had Obed, Ruth was his mother, Obed had Jesse, Jesse had David, and David became king, David had Solomon, Uriah's wife was the mother, Solomon had Rehoboam, Rehoboam had Abijah, Abijah had Asa, Asa had Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat had Joram, 
Joram had Uzziah. Uzziah had Jotham. Jotham had Ahaz. Ahaz had Hezekiah. Hezekiah had Manasseh. Manasseh had Amnon. Amnon had Josiah. Josiah had Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim and his brothers. And then the people were taken to Babylon exile. When the Babylon exile ended, Jeconiah had Sheatil. Sheatil had Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel had Abiud. Abiud had Eliakim. Eliakim had Azor. Azor had Zadok. Zadok had Akim. Akim had Iliud. Iliud had Eleazar. Eleazar had Mathen. Mathen had Jacob. Jacob had Joseph. Mary's husband. Let me, let me give you a trick. Whenever you're reading Bible night, just go real, real fast and pretend like you know how to pronounce it and then people will think you know what you're talking about. That's what I just did there. I don't know if none of that's right. But all y'all like, oh, he know it. I don't. I just, just went real fast. <laughs> Jacob had Joseph. Mary's husband. The Mary who gave birth to Jesus. The Jesus who was called Christ. Your God so loves family. He begins the New Testament doing his ancestry.com. Gives his whole family lineage. Why is Matthew giving us this lineage? Because Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And he's trying to let this Jewish audience know, look at his family tree. He is the rightful one through Abraham and through David to be the legitimate king. He has a family history that legitimizes him as a king. In that time period, you couldn't be anything you wanted to be. You had to prove it in your family. You had to prove it in your family genealogy. A genealogy was a big deal because that was your resume. That's how you flexed back in the day. It wasn't your Instagram followers. It wasn't the blue check. If you really wanted to flex, you would pull out your genealogy and say, look who my daddy is. Look who my daddy's daddy is. I'm telling you, I am somebody. So Matthew is trying to get this Jewish audience to see that he is the rightful one who can sit on the throne as the king. But the problem with this list is it's not a comprehensive list. Matthew edited some people off the list. Oh, don't act like you're shocked. You know you would edit some people out of your family too. Come on, that's the one you don't introduce. Oh, don't worry about that. Who is that? Don't worry about that. Don't, you don't need to meet him. He edited people off the list. And so this is a curated list with certain people. Now keep in mind, your genealogy was when you were trying to put your best foot forward and say, look at the stock from which I come. The other weird thing about this genealogy is y'all. There are not one, not two, not three, not four, but five women on this list. Do you understand? In a misogynistic, patriarchal society, they never put a woman on the genealogy list. In that culture, you didn't prove who you were by saying, you know who my mama is. You proved who you were by saying, you know who my daddy is. But look at your God. Look at your Savior. He is so about the family that in a culture that didn't value women, in a culture that didn't respect women, God says, no, 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 no. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. So in the genealogy of Jesus, you got five women on the genealogy of Jesus. You won't see that in anybody else's genealogy because God says, if you're going to tell my story, you got to include the women that were used to bring about the son of God I thought I could at least get one woman of God to give God some praise right there if you want to know God's view of women look at his genealogy he said I gotta put them in my family tree it's at the foot of the cross we are all equal and ooh, but it's the five that he picks Tamar Rahab Ruth Bathsheba And Mary. Oh, I wish I could break it down, but we got kids in the service. <laughs> Read it when you get to the crib. Tamar, Genesis 38, was a whole situation right there. I ain't gonna say what it was, just read it when you get to the house. But, but she pretended to be a lady of the evening. Genesis 38, read it when you get to the crib. That's Tamar. Rahab, she didn't pretend to be one. Joshua chapter 2. She was one. The spies of all the place they could have hidden. <laughs> 
they hid in Rahab's house. She said, look, I know how to hide men. Come on, let me show you where to go. Come here. No, you go under there. Yeah, I know that spot. Yeah, here. You go here. Uh Uh-huh. No, closet. I got all kinds of stuff in here. In the lineage of Jesus, we have Ruth is a Moabite. She's a Gentile. She's not even supposed to be on the list. She's an outsider. Mary, the teenage pregnant girl that everybody laughed at probably at school talking about, look at her, talking about God did it. (laughs) Of all the lies. (laughs) She gonna put that on God. (laughs) Bathsheba? Matthew throws so much shade. He don't even say Bathsheba. He says, the wife of Uriah. He's throwing so much shade because he's trying to remind you that David, the man after God's own heart, sent Uriah on the battlefield to die to cover up his affair. This is the lineage of God. Of all the people he could have put, that's who he put in the list. In the lineage of Jesus, you have rape, you have murder, you have incest, you have all kinds of trauma, all kinds of issues, and you're going to tell me that God cannot use you? You mean to tell me that in your family situation, I don't care how broken it is, you mean to tell me that the grace of God cannot reach you? No wonder he put five women. Five is the number of grace. What is God trying to tell us in families? He says, I love families so much that I can get the glory out of the most broken family. I can get the glory out of the most messed up situation. I need to finish my sermon. What did I tell you? We don't get to pick any of our families. What did I tell you? We all come from a dysfunctional family. Even Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. But do you know what I noticed? In all the things that were in the lineage and the genealogy of Jesus, all the issues, all the drama, all the sin, all the things that are so ratchet, how many of you know when it gets to verse 16, and it just says Jesus, all that stuff goes away. You never hear any of that again. When it gets to the name of Jesus, we finally get a name that doesn't have any of the pain and any of the baggage that was in his past. I got good news. It's my third point. If this third point don't make you shout, I don't know what else will make you shout. Yes, we didn't get to pick our family. Yes, we all come from a dysfunctional family, but can I tell you, because of Jesus, it can stop with me. It don't matter what ran in my family. Because of Jesus, it can stop with me. Oh, addiction might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Alcoholism might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Cheating might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Depression might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Addiction might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Poverty might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Racism might run in my family, but it can stop with me. Unforgiveness can run in my family, but it'll stop with me. Suicide might run in my family, but it'll stop with me. Divorce might run in my family, but it'll stop with me. Fear might run in my family, but it'll stop with me. You can be the one that says, yes, it ran in my family. When you get to Jesus, it stops with you. I don't know who this is for today, but I came to tell you, you can be the one, not in your own strength, because if you hadn't figured it out, that'll fail. But because of Jesus, if it ran in your family, it can stop with you. Yes, not going to church runs in your family. It can stop with you. You can start right now and say, as for me and my house, we gonna serve the Lord. Get up, kids. You don't got an option. You know we go to the house of the Lord. That's what we do. So easy to make excuses based on our past history or what we've always seen. But just because you didn't see it doesn't mean you can't become something different. Anybody in here ever come to Jesus? and stop coming to him because you heard about something in his family? All you know is that that name saved, that name delivered, 
And even our Savior, when he could have picked a perfect portrait, he chose to show a broken humanity. Yeah, some stuff in my family too. But it stops with me. It stops with me. God loves families. He loves families because in families, no matter the brokenness, he can get the glory. Some of you, your response to this message, like I said, is to have the boldness and the courage to stop the silence, to talk about the thing you don't want to talk about. For some of you, your response to this message is to forgive. Having kids ought to make you have grace for your parents. Well, I'm doing it right. Okay, wait till they get older. The progress report is still going. <laughs> Can you at least have the humility to go, maybe you didn't get even the full story? That maybe the story that was told to you by your mom might not have been the full story? Can you at least have the humility to go, maybe my vantage point is skewed? And you didn't know, I'm not excusing bad behavior. But maybe you don't have all the story that maybe could at least give you some empathy for why they weren't there. Because they were scared and you got some fear too. Some of you, the response to this message is to let go of the bitterness that you've been holding towards that person in your family. And say, I forgive you, not for you, but for me. For me. Because it's destroying your life. God loves families and the enemy all the way from the book of Genesis has been trying to destroy it and maybe the greatest holiday gift this year could be some type of reconciliation in your family it might not mean you're going to go with coffee every day but at least there can be some reconciliation God loves families because family was his idea I'm going to ask every head be bowed and eyes be closed today. I want to sing that song in a minute, Speak the Name of Jesus. But with heads bowed and eyes closed today, I need to know who this message is for. I believe that no matter what has run in your family, it can stop with you. It can stop with you. You can be the one that says enough is enough. You can be the one that says, I know the pain of not having a father there. I'm going to show up for my son. I'm not going to allow how his mother has been to stop me. If there's a door of opportunity to be there, I'm going to be there. It can stop with you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed today, I'm going to ask every person that can to stand. If you'd be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, there's something that's been running in my family, but today, it stops with me. Not in my strength, not in my power, but because of the name of Jesus, it's going to stop with me. I am not going to keep this cycle going from generation to generation. It stops with me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know what that thing is, and you say today, by the power of God, it stops with me. Can I see your hand today? Just as a response to say, God, whatever that next step looks like, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you, God. Hear me. I believe that the Holy Spirit, if you'll lean into the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak to you and tell you what needs to happen for it to stop with you. For some of you, it's going to be what we're about to do in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. That is the first step. We put our faith in him. We get adopted into this beautiful family. Some of you have already surrendered your life to Jesus, but your response might be to go get some counseling. Some of you have been through trauma that a 45-minute sermon a week is not going to fix. You need to process that with somebody. Some of you is going to be, like I said, having a tough conversation. But I believe God is speaking to hearts right now of the next action step so you can say it stops with me. 
It ran in my family, but it stops with me. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, this first step is to say, Lord, my life is yours. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Robert, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but today is the day I'm coming home. Maybe there was a season you were running after God, but your heart's gotten cold to him. And today he's calling you into the family. This beautiful family. Some of you don't even realize the gift of the church that so many people are quick to talk about is that we get another family we get another family you can get a brother here and have community you can get a sister here and have community come on single mom there's another man in this community that can actually be a godly role model to your son and not try to sleep with you but he's actually just gonna be a godly role model this is the beauty of the church you get a family if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to him I want to give you that opportunity. When I count to three, I just want you to lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I can see it. Don't worry about what anybody else is going to think. This is between you and your heavenly father. If that's you, you say, Pastor Robert, I'm giving him my life today. When I count to three, would you lift up your hand? One, two, three. Come on, let me see your hand from the bottom floor to the top floor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hands are going up all over this place today. All over this place today. Today. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, here's what I'm going to do. We're about to do something that's one of the most powerful things we do. If you lifted up your hand, hear me, or you should have lifted up your hand, I'm just going to ask you to get out of your seat and come right up here to the front. Some of y'all are like, man, do I really got to walk down all those steps? Can I tell you, it's the best steps you could ever take in your life. Because you're saying the old you is in that seat, but the new you is stepping into the family. So come on, if you lifted up your hand or you should have, I just want you to come right up here to the front because today is a new day and I want the rest of us to start giving God praise like the angels in heaven are doing. Come on, come on, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Come on, I want you to come to the front. I promise it's worth every step. I promise it's worth it. 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 What's over your life, it is worth it. You have a future. You got a purpose and a destiny. God is not through with you. He has a divine assignment over your life. Today is the day that you step into the man of God you have always been called to be. That first step, that first step is what God is going to do in your generation. People will follow after you take the first step. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, as they're coming, would you keep giving God praise? Come on. 